Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Michelle Berard LLC and Urban Book Editor. And I'm very happy to share this hour with you, where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that we bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows, exploring life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to thank my guest on the May 20th, 2022 show, poet Ra Ariel. You can connect with Ra on social media and you can find her book, Encapsulated Emotions, on Amazon and at other book retailers. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the May 20th, 2022 show at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This message is important for the youth, but it's also important for us adults. Sometimes we need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, This month's guest shares a wealth of knowledge and experience about how we can be better leaders. Emily Sander has spent more than 15 years in the business world, but when she realized that her favorite role was mentoring leaders, she decided to pursue coaching. As a C-suite executive and ICF certified coach, she combines her experience and proven insights with a keen ability to understand each client's unique personality and situation. Emily is the author of the book, Hacking Executive Leadership, and I'm really happy to have her on the show. So I'd like to welcome Emily Sander to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Welcome, Emily. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited for our conversation. Well, I am excited too, because, you know, I spend a little time reading about you and what you do. So I think that you have a lot to share with my audience. And I start my interviews with two questions. So if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. All right, let's do it. All right. Emily Sander, who are you? And how did you become who you are today? Oh, wow. So we're starting with the big question. Okay. Yes. Um, Let's see here. Oof, oof. I think um, I'm my father's daughter and I'm my mother's daughter, and that informs a lot. So uh, just a quick background, I was actually born in Seoul, South Korea, and then I was adopted as a little baby, five months old, and brought over to America, and I was raised in Seattle, um, and I was blessed to have, you know, the best parents in the world, unconditional love, which sets a a kid up right, and they taught me so many lessons growing up that I carry forward today, but um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot from that. And, you know, I had my, my journey of kind of growing up and dealing with what kids will say when, you know, what they see is kind of their first impression. And that's, you know, you don't look like them and that's not your real mom um, and all of those things. But, um, you know, today I can sit here in front of you and say, unless I win the lottery, 
or something like that. Being adopted into the family I was and having the, the family and friends I do is going to be the luckiest thing that happens to me in my life. And so every day I'm very, very grateful uh, for that. So I think, you know, who I am today was definitely shaped by um, my mom and dad. Wow, that's a beautiful testament. So give me an example. You mentioned that they taught you so many things. Give me an example of something that they taught you that you think you carry through today as an adult. Yeah, so both my mom and dad were definitely planners. They were organized and they were thoughtful and thought through things and next steps and what that would mean for them and the family and the people around them. But they were also, um, they didn't worry about things, which I, when I was younger, I worried about everything. So I wanted to know, you know, when something was going to happen, how it was going to happen. I'd like a step-by-step process for the plan. And, you know, sometimes life doesn't give that to you. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, they taught me, my dad would say, all things will reveal themselves in the fullness of time. And I thought that was a really nice quote. And I've, I've used that and said that to myself. And then my mom would say, Emily, you know, you don't need to worry about that. Something will happen. And when I was younger, that was very infuriating. So I'm like, well, what will happen? I would like to plan, you know, tell me, tell me how this is going to happen um, and what it's going to mean. And uh, now I'm like, oh, mom was right. Something will happen. Something will happen and it'll unfold. And it's just having uh, trust in yourself and faith and everything that it will work out in the best way possible and in the way that it's meant to be. So that's something I think in life and in business and um, is a good lesson to, to carry into any situation. Well, you know, that's a profound statement about everything happening in the fullness of time or revealing itself in the fullness of time. How does that specifically relate for business leaders? You coach business leaders. Mm -hmm. So how do you find that that impacts, you know, business or, or do business leaders have trouble with that? I think we all struggle with that at times. I think uncertainty is just, uh, pe people don't like when things are uncertain. Um, we often slap a negative label. So, oh my goodness, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Therefore it's a quote unquote bad situation or something that I need to be anxious about. And in reality, change is neutral. So if I said, you know, hey, um, surprise, you won a million dollars, that would be a change, but you would probably feel pretty happy and pretty good about yourself for that change. Um, so in and of itself, change is neutral. So I think one of, one of the things I work with um, my clients on and my colleagues, business leaders, is as leaders, you know, C-level executives especially, you're making pretty big decisions. You're making impactful decisions that might, you know, at the highest level affect the livelihoods of your team members and the success of your company. And you have to be in a position where you can say, I made the best decision I could at the time with all the information I had. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can sit there and say, I, you know, went to speak with the people I needed to speak with. I went to collect as much information as I can to be, to be thoughtful and to make a good decision. But this is the best decision I can make at the time with all the information I have. You have, you have by definition made the best choice that you can. And so even if things, you know, kind of go this way or that in the future, 
you can be confident and stand firm in that. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, I've had folks say, Emily, even at the time, I knew in my heart of hearts that wasn't the best decision. It's like, mm, okay, well, take a look at that. You know, maybe throw it in a feedback loop and pull out the lessons or learnings you can to, to make your decision making better going forward. But it's done. So there's no reason to beat yourself up over it or rake yourself over the coals. Um, if you made the best decision you could, that's all you can do. So why do you think, because we all do that. Sometimes we know something else is a better decision, but we do the opposite or, or take some other path. Do you, have you as a coach kind of uncovered why we do that sometimes? Most of the time it's, it's because it's what they think they should do. And should is an interesting word. So if you're running through things in your own mind to yourself or talking it through with other people and you notice the word should popping up, that can be, that can represent external expectations from other people. So I should do this because it'll make my family happy or I should do this because society, you know, that's the right thing to do in society's eyes or what will my you know, friends think if I do this or don't do this. So it's, it's usually a bit of pressure um, coming from, from the outside. And uh, I think that's pretty strong. Peer pressure can be pretty strong and expectations from different people and different things can be pretty strong. But I think self-awareness is key to that and really say, mm, why am I doing this? You know, what is driving me to, to make the decisions that I'm, I'm making right now? Is that my voice? Or is that someone else's voice um, imposing itself on me? Yeah. And those voices that we hear, you know, external voices, those weird little gremlins in our heads, <laughs> <laughs> all kind of get in there and influence us to do things sometimes. So what do you find that most C-suite executives struggle with the most? I think it's, it's interesting. There's kind of two ends of the spectrum with decision-making. So I have some folks who are very, very confident, perhaps overly confident, and they'll make knee-jerk snap decisions. So mm -hmm. I feel like this, and so I'm gonna make this decision. Mm -hmm. And it kind of swings their company and swings their teams in a direction. And for those folks, it might serve them well to slow down for just a beat and maybe collect a little more information if they can and that will help them make a better decision. On the other side of the spectrum are people who like to think and like to analyze and maybe make a spreadsheet and maybe color code the spreadsheet and talk to 12 different people before they make a decision. And for them, it might be feel comfortable moving a little faster, which actually might be feeling comfortable with feeling uncomfortable because they like to have all the data and all the information. So for them on that side, it might be, hey, for you to make a good decision, you might need to move a little faster than you're used to. And I think, again, being self-aware and knowing what you bring to the table as a leader and your natural bias towards things is really, really helpful. It's really informative um, and it helps you navigate things better because you, as a leader, are always one half of any equation or any conversation or interaction that you're having. Now, you mentioned um, kind of self-knowledge, self-awareness, mm -hmm. and 
I did do a little homework on you. <laughs> I noticed that you offer the DISC assessment. Mm -hmm. How does that help? What is the DISC assessment and how does it help? Yeah, for sure. So the DISC assessment is a personality behavioral assessment. It's in the kind of the Myers-Briggs family. So if people are familiar with that, it's very similar. Um, I like this. So you, so how it works is you answer a set of questions and then you get your DISC profile. And um, there's only four in DISC, which makes it a bit simpler and more straightforward to, to read and understand. But it's a great tool to learn about yourself and how you like to communicate and also your team members. So I always do it for you know, any team that I'm a part of and all of my direct reports get uh, a DISC report and kind of an interpretation from me. Um, but for instance, um, if you're uh, you know, a dominant profile, you like to make decisions quickly, you like things straight to the point, you don't do small talk um, and you want to win. Um, and so that's kind of your lens on life. Mm -hmm. And then if you're a C for conscientious, you want to sit there and think about things and you feel very comfortable with information and data. You're very logical. Um, and there's also, you know, influential folks um, and, uh, and steady folks. So S's are interesting because they are very slow moving. So if you have um, a, a dominant profile and a steady profile working together, they're gonna be at two different paces and they're gonna need two different things to be at their best and feel comfortable. So as a leader, knowing which one you are and which one your team member is, is really, really helpful because you could say, hey, in this situation, I would want this. Mm -hmm. And that might be right for you, but you're pulling on the wrong string for someone else. They're, they're getting all confused and kind of rattled by what you're doing. So just it's, it's, I equate it to learning a different language. So if you're speaking, you know, uh, Chinese to someone, and they only speak English, well, that's not going to work. So you need to learn a little bit about their language. That's interesting. So I've done a DISC assessment and okay. that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> when you Which say one were you? Things. Which one were you? Um, oh, I'm so yeah. bad with uh, these things. Something about dominant, influential, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we're all a blend too. So it's really cool. You're not just one. All right. You have different elements of each. So um that's awesome. Yeah. But knowing well, that. And, I, well, and I, what I thought was interesting about it was, you know, the whole team did it mm -hmm. and we kind of had to look at each other's information and come to understand one another. Is that what you do with your teams that you work with? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, it helps, it helps, especially with communication um, because I had someone, I share my disc report um, and I'm a C profile. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, Emily, that's why you get so annoyed with the emails I send because they're not kind of formatted. They don't have bullet points. I like information quick and I, I like it to you know, have proper spelling and that's important to me. Um, and so she was like, I know why <laughs> you get so upset when I send you these like, you know, kind of half written emails. And so she changed it. And I, I said, oh, I know why you write those because you're trying to move quickly and you're like, some information is better than fully thought. So she's getting something back to me um, really quick. So that really helped us just in even, um, you know, day-to-day -day things like sending, sending emails. Um, I think it also helps 
part of the DISC assessment that I do um, shows what people need to feel comfortable and also what they're scared of. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone, you know, for me, one of the biggest fears is being proven wrong in a crowd. So looking bad in front of people is just kind of, you know, that's, that's what's in there. And Mm -hmm. I think we all can kind of relate to that in some respects, but if I'm in a board meeting and I don't have the answer to a question, I get really nervous and I feel really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, it was really interesting to say, "Mm, okay, I, that's actually on my report. And so I know that about myself and I can say, "Mm, when that happens, that's that, that's that thing that um, I go through and that's okay. That's just kind of part of my makeup and who I am. But I know that even if I think that I'm doing badly, I'm probably doing just fine. I probably am over analyzing that piece of it because that's what I'm scared of. Um, So it helps, it helps in that sense as well. Well, fortunately for me, that's not an issue. I don't mind not having information <laughs> because I had a wonderful second grade teacher. She was crotchety and grumpy and absolutely fabulous. <laughs> but she asked a question in class one day and she asked me to answer it. And I said, I don't know. And she said, thank you. Mm. Wow. She said, thank you for saying that. Because how will you ever learn something unless you admit that you don't know? Wow. It's amazing, right? So mm-hmm. that's one that's one thing that I don't have as much <laughs> as a result. Game <laughs> is Richardson. So I how does this help teams though overall? I mean, I, what I felt like in doing it, first of all, it makes you feel very self-conscious when you're doing it, in my opinion. That may that just be me, my own personal thing, but I felt very self-conscious doing it. And then um, but looking working with the whole team and looking at everybody's, you know what works well for them, what works not so well for them, seemed to me that it helped with communication a great deal. Is that the primary function of the DISC assessment or is there another layer to it? There's multiple layers. That's the biggest one that's popped up for me, but it's also setting yourself up for success. So one of the elements of the DISC report that I do is it shows your, your natural style and then your adapted style. So the natural style is how you show up when you're sitting in your PJs watching Netflix in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, your adapted style, in this case, is your work setting. So someone might be, you know, um, fast moving and uh, you know wanting to win and dominate in their work setting, but they're actually really a very slow moving, conscientious person in their natural kind of habitat, so to speak. And they flex, they have to flex and change themselves a bit because that's what they think they need to be successful in that environment. And that's neither good or bad, but it does take energy. It does take sometimes a lot of energy to show up in a different way if your natural inclination is something else. And so that's something to be aware of. So mm, what do I naturally need? What am I kind of naturally fearful of? How do I naturally make decisions? And then how am I adapting to whatever environment I'm in? And sometimes you can look at that and say, that's appropriate. You know, I feel like that's an appropriate change or kind of alteration to make. I'm still me. I'm not trying to be a different person per se, but it's just a different side of me. Or the answer to that question might be, "Mm, that's not worth it. 
that's not worth mm. it. It's draining me of energy and it's not really getting me the results that I think it's getting me. So maybe I can make a change. Um, that is a great way to use it. And I think, especially for leaders, but for anyone, setting yourself up really well is important, meaning put yourself in best position to be successful. It starts with taking care of yourself and also knowing yourself, but put yourself, do whatever it is for you that puts yourself in position to make um, good decisions each day, to have positive interactions with people. My goodness, leaders are interacting with their team members and team members take their cues from leaders. They're how, how is Emily feeling today? How is like, what mood is Michelle in today? And they're gonna take their cues off of that and go back to their team and go back to their day-to-day and behave and take action in a certain way. So one thing I use you know, with, with my clients is take the DISC assessment, but also in the morning, take some time to set intention for your day. So in the morning, for instance, I will get up, I'll do some quick stretching just to get the blood flowing. And then I'll also think or say out loud three things that I'm grateful for. It can be big or small, does it, does it matter? And also I ask, you know, what is my assignment today? And those things, you know, get my body ready to go, but also get my mind set in a, in a positive direction. So I'm grateful and then I'm looking for my assignment day. Um, and I think that sets a really good intention and tone uh, for me. And I've, I've used that with some of my clients to uh, help them set a good tone for their day and week. Well, where are these um, executives that you work with finding that they struggle in terms of getting their day going? Um, varied. So there's many answers. I think uh, a common one is they feel overwhelmed, of course. So we're all dealing with time constraints and we have too much to do. Um, and I think that's that can probably be a universal issue. Um, but feeling overwhelmed and... Um, you know, sometimes they get pretty negative on, on themselves and they need to pull themselves up uh, in a positive frame of mind. So again, kind of sitting there and being grateful for something and thinking of things that you're grateful for. And then also asking a question like, what is my assignment today? Or who can I serve today um, is, is a big piece. So that's just, it's like the, the old game of um, look for red cars. And all of a sudden you see a whole bunch of red cars. And of course, there's no more red cars on the road than normal, but because you're looking for it, they appear. And so having that intention to go serve somebody um, or go do something nice for someone uh, sets a great intention for the day, especially when you're overwhelmed and you're feeling down about things and we all do from time to time. But that is a great way to, to have your lens up so you bring in the right things. Well, this last year and a half Mm -hmm. has been challenging, right? For everybody around the world, not just here in the United States, but around the world. Um, What are you finding that executives are saying to you now that's maybe different from pre-pandemic? Yeah, I mean, 2020 was a blur and um, the biggest thing from leaders was dealing with that uncertainty they had because they were, no one knew what was gonna happen, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think a really key element that came through for a leader to have is adaptability. So being able to navigate a situation that you could not see coming. 
mm-hmm. and being able to not only adapt yourself and say, okay, what, how am I feeling about this? What do I need to do to get myself in good position, but also lead a team of people who are sitting there looking at you for leadership and they're scared and they're uncertain um, about their jobs and about what's going on in the world. And again, they look to that leader for their cues. And are you, are you as a leader being able to adapt to the situation, adapt to the needs of your team um, and, and be honest with them and sometimes say, I don't know. So like your second grade teacher say, I, I don't know the answer to this question. Um, I'm not sure how the pandemic is going to play out, but we're going to do this together. And here's what I do know, or here's the information that I can share with you to, to give them a little bit of, of comfort. And um, I think that was a, a big thing that came through. That was the main theme, I would say, that came through for, for my leaders that I work with is being adaptable and being vulnerable enough to say, I don't know, to stand in front of their team and say, I don't know. Well, and you said something else that I think was really important, and that was about sharing the information that you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you finding? I mean, is that a different approach to leadership now? Because I've been on teams where the leader had nothing to say, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. kept everything very close to, to the vest, and then others where they're very, very open. And so what are we finding is happening with our leadership style, particularly as the pandemic has what, progressed. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's I think you're right. It has trended in in terms of being more transparent mm-hmm. and offering more information. And a lot of leaders are are saying, "I'm going to provide you the information I have. This could change, you know, market circumstances, global circumstances. This could change, but this is what I have right now, and this is what I know to be true today. So I'm going to give that to you, um, as you know, out of respect, but also as a leader, because I know that will help you think about things and help you make your decisions. Um, but similar to you, I've had I've worked with people who are keep information very close to the chest, um, or maybe like this information is only allowed to be shown to the leadership team, but not the you know, directors, managers, um, and, and other employees. And that just creates this kind of vacuum and suspiciousness and uncertainty. And so people will make things up. If they don't have the information, they'll make it up in their heads and they'll talk about it um, kind of behind your back because you're not talking to them or with them. And then I've had other folks who, you know, share all the financial information of a company or share kind of how they're making decisions. And uh, I found that to be uh, to be much better way to go because people, even if they disagree, of course, they'll have chances to, to ask questions and understand your thought process. So even if they're like, hmm, I don't agree with where Emily came out on that, but I can kind of see, she walked me through how she came to that decision. I, I can, handle that. And I can, I can uh, respect that. So it makes it easier for a team to follow that leader, mm-hmm. right? Well, for lack of yeah, yeah. Because they understand it, it does build the trust that they may not agree all the time, but at least they know where they're going and why they're going there. Exactly. And I think building that trust and building that respect mm-hmm. is really important. So even if someone doesn't like you per se, um, if they respect you, that's hugely important and they will follow you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's critical, really, I think. I, I mean, I used to say I can work with anybody, you know, as long as we're honest with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes a long way, you know, in particularly in a corporate structure, you know, where there's so especially where they there used to be a lot of layers corporate wide. Now, I think a lot of organizations are trying to flatten things out a little. Is that what you're finding also? Yeah, uh, in some organizations, certainly the small to medium businesses, uh, sometimes there is that hierarchy. Um, if you're large enough, or um, sometimes that's just needed um, mm-hmm. by different layers of, of management. But yeah, certainly I think, you know, aligning someone's natural interest or inclination and what they're good at to the business objective is like the golden path. So if you can align all three, people, you know, are happy, they're thriving, they come to day, they come to work each day, excited about what they get to do and they're good at something and it helps the company. And hopefully that's, you know, some, some greater cause that um, you care about as well. But even if it's just helping your team and helping the company be successful, people love that. And I think as a leader, you have the responsibility and also the privilege of of not only creating that environment and creating good soil for kind of people to to grow, but also um, watching for for people. And I tell this to my leaders, you need to know who your top performers are. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people say, as a manager, I'm just going to look for people's mistakes and bop them on the head um, (laughs) when they do something wrong. And I'm like, "Mm," you know, certainly that's part of that's part of the job, of course, um, to train people up or identify underperformers, but equally, if not more so, it's, it's bringing people up and getting them to their next level. So one of the things that I find most rewarding is finding folks who are so good and so talented and they just have never had an opportunity. They've never had a door open for them. And, and you're in a position to say, hey, come this way. I can open this door. You have to go through it and you have to step through it and prove yourself, but you can do this. And there's just nothing more rewarding than that and which is why I like love being a coach um, but I think as leaders and um, as anyone if you again set your intention to look for those people and look for those opportunities and look for that talent they will appear and they'll they'll be all around you and it's like oh my goodness someone so quiet in the corner has so much to offer and so much to bring and so much to contribute to the team my job is to tap into that and, and get them to their optimum, you know, highest performance. And that not only helps them and their lives and their livelihood, but makes the team better and makes the company better. It reflects better on me as a leader. Um, so it's, it's aligning those, uh, those three things, kind of people's, what they're interested in doing and what they're inclined to do, what they're good at and the business goals and objectives is, is the golden path. I love it. I love it. So if you were to offer three pieces of advice for a leader right now, particularly as we sit right now in the, they're saying the pandemic is, yeah, but you know, we've got the Delta variant and things are still uncertain. Oh, yes. What three pieces of information would, or advice would you give to a leader right now about holding on to their team? Number one, because a lot of folks are jumping ship. They're finding their work. It's not worth the hassle. Um, holding on to their team, growing their team, and being the best leader possible to that team. Yeah, that's a great question. Three things. I think the first one is serve. So if you have a, 
servant's mind and servant leadership, that goes a long way. People can feel that when they have a leader who is invested in them and is looking out for them. Um, that doesn't mean letting them run amok. You still hold them accountable. That's part of serving them, right? So I'm here for you and I'm here for what's best for you and I'm gonna hold you accountable to that. So um, having a, a mindset of servant leadership is certainly important. Another one is act. So a lot of people get scared and they kind of hold still and they hope that something will, something good will happen to them and something good will land on them. And sometimes you got to go out and you have to get it and you have to take it and you have to forge it and you have to find it. And so being willing to act and take a risk because decisions are risky and leadership is risky and you're, you're getting paid the big bucks and you have the fancy title to go make decisions that other people can't or won't. So, you know, take that, take that in your stride and go um, act. And then I think the third one I would say is something we talked about earlier, which is having faith in yourself and having faith in the people around you that you are making the best possible decisions and that everything will work out as it is supposed to. And that can be a hard pill to swallow when things are like, oh my goodness, like this is not how I wanted this to go or oh my goodness, this business um, is failing or hey, I got furloughed, I got laid off from my job due to the pandemic. And that on the outset might look really bad. And you have to sit there and say, I have faith that this could be the catalyst for something great, or this could be the stepping stone to another chapter in my life that I never would have seen or gone after. But because I was kind of forced in this position, I now can move forward in this way. And I've had that happen so many times in my life where it's either option A or option B, and it's going to be all good or all bad. And these are the only two options. And of course, the universe says, hey, there's this special option, you know, Z coming along. And you couldn't have predicted that. And, um, you know, that was something that worked out best for you and better for you. And looking back uh, 2020 hindsight, you're like, oh my goodness, it all worked out just the way it was supposed to. So having faith that, that, that will happen to you. Well, you know, and you've mentioned faith a couple of times you've men mentioned, you know, kind of trusting that everything is going to work out in the end. What does that look like for a business leader? What does that look like for someone who's struggling through what we're struggling through right now? I mean, a lot of, I mean, yes, the economy is coming back. I was just listening to CNN. They're talking about um, the holiday travel was the highest, I, I think two days of this holiday weekend, 4th of July weekend, the travel numbers were actually higher on the airlines than they were in 2019 pre-pandemic. That's great, but or and, <laughs> and is probably a better way to say that. And companies are still struggling. Um, people are still finding that uncertainty. What does that faith look like or that trust look like for an executive, maybe at a small business and they're trying to hold their business together and hold their team together? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm seeing is Spending time, I want to word this, I want to word this in a good way. Worrying about something is, is one thing and being thoughtful and concerned. Oh my goodness, you know, we're still navigating 
pressure this pandemic, and it is unknown, it is scary, but not over worrying and not spending the time and energy past that point. And that's a little different for each, each person. They have to think through it in their own way. But there comes a point where worrying about that more and spending your emotional energy scared about that is not serving you and is not serving the people around you. So think through things and, and be thoughtful and, and try to make the best decisions you can. But after that point, say, it's out of my hands and I'm going to let what's going to happen happen. And I think, you know, mentally for people, that's a huge game changer. So instead of feeling like you need to think something through and, and figure this out, there comes a point where you need to kind of let go and say, I'm, this is out of my hands and I'm going to trust that it'll, it'll turn out okay. Another piece of that is um, you might make a decision or something might happen where you think something through as, as far as you can and then you have to let the next piece unfold or reveal itself or the next you know, card turnover or whatever analogy you wanna use there. And then you have new information and you can make you know, a different decision and look at it in a different way. But if you've done everything you can, then have faith that something will reveal itself and something, the next step will unfold. And then you can move on from there and go from there. So I think that's a, might not be a, a concrete um, something that something someone can go out and do, but mentally and emotionally, I think it will help a lot of people and it's helped a lot of leaders say, okay, um, let me go as far as I can and then, and then let go. Not being afraid to put one foot in front of the other and maybe walk the bridge as it's being built. Absolutely. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great way. And it, that just brought a picture to my mind of the old Indiana Jones movie, I forget yeah. which one, but he's like going across the bridge and he can't see and yeah. he's got a step. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, where you have to put one foot in front of the other and you don't know, you can't see what's beneath you and you just have to trust that it's going to be there. So that's a great analogy. That's awesome. Well, I trust that this is going to work out really well for all of us. I don't know why this all had to happen, but I firmly believe that there's a good that's coming out of it. That's just my particular perspective on this. So I hope everybody is doing well and, and taking care of themselves. Yes. Emily, how can people connect with you? Yes. Well, first, let me say, Michelle, it was an absolute pleasure and honor to be on with you. So thank you. And if people would like to find out um, more about me, they can go to my website, which is at nextlevel.coach. So nextlevel, all one word, dot coach. Um, and they can connect with me there. I also recently wrote a book called Hacking Executive Leadership, and that is on Amazon and anywhere else that books are sold. So um, you can pick that up as well. But uh, Hacking Executive Leadership is my book and nextlevel.coach is my website. So I'd love to hear from any of your listeners. Well, and I purchased your book and I'm very excited about it. And for those of you who don't have time to sit down with a book and read, I know some of you are super, super, super busy. I got the audible version so yeah, I can listen to right. it while I cook. And, <laughs> and because sometimes you just move in too fast, right? Listen to it while you drive. A lot of us are starting on our commutes again. So I'm a big fan of audible books. That's not me. I don't get any money from Amazon, by the way, for saying anything <laughs> about that. I just like audible books. I, 
So do I. So do I. Audible is an audible version. So that's awesome too. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barad. Thank you so much. Well, that's our show this month, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michellebarard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you tune into the show on July 15th when my guest will be Sonia Lewis, founder of Ascribe Educational Consulting. You can find us once a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.